Okay, well, God is good. Um, now, this message tonight, before I begin, it's really very special to me. And uh, so I want to share how this message came about. Well, about five weeks ago, actually it was five weeks ago today, August the 24th, I have an older sister, Janet, and she was scheduled to preach a message at her church that Wednesday night. She had it all prepared and ready to go. Well, but before that service came, um, she passed out. And two weeks, she never woke up again. Two weeks later, she went home to be with the Lord. And, but you know, if we all went, you know, she had a healthy life. She had a great life. And one moment she's with her husband, everything's fine. The next moment she's with the Lord and everything's even better. You know, God is really good. He is good. We don't understand everything. But when I heard about that, that she was supposed to speak that night, I thought, I want to know what that message was. I want to find those notes and read over them. So I went to her house and I found them. They were sitting right there where she studies in her living room in her chair. And right over there were these notes. And I know that was that because the date was August the 24th. And I thought, oh, I just can't wait to read that. And so, so I wanted to know, what did she do with the last few days of her life? What was she studying from the Word of God? What was God showing her to share with people? And that message was worry-free. And so I started reading through it, and I read through it. And, you know, I didn't realize how much I worried until I studied this and realized I need this message on how to live worry-free. I need to live worry-free. And so it's really special to me because I feel like she preached this message to me from her notes. And I believe that God has commissioned me to share it with you tonight. So I believe, and as I was studying, I believe God really impressed this on my heart, that it was time for me to live worry-free. It's time. Now, notice, I did not say that, it, that I would live a trouble-free life. Wouldn't that be great? No trouble. But there's no such thing as a trouble-free life in this earth. But the Bible, it doesn't promise us a trouble-free life. Nowhere does he promise that. In fact, unfortunately, it says just the opposite. Because it says, in, and Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in the world you will have trouble. So we know that even though we can live a worry-free life, we're still going to face some trouble. But, you know, that wasn't the end of that verse because he said, but be of good cheer. Even though you have trouble and you have to deal with it, be of good cheer, he said, because I have overcome the world. So what does that mean? Because he overcame everything that came against him we can overcome whatever comes against us because he provided everything we needed when he went to that cross. He provided what we needed in order to have victory with whatever ever trouble that we come against in our lives. You know, so Jesus, he was the perfect man as he walked. He walked perfectly on this earth. He had trouble, didn't he? But he had victory. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, didn't he have trouble? Oh, my goodness. But he overcame everyone, and he lived in victory. So we can do the same. We can do the same. Worry-free. I tell you, this is how God wants us to live. He wants us to live without stress, without being burdened with cares or anxieties or frustrations. You know, it seems impossible, doesn't it, like some kind of a dream? How can we live a worry-free life? 
how can I honestly declare each morning when I take my walk in my little jog as I do up and down my street, back and forth and back and forth, and I say, I declare I live a worry-free life. How can I say that? Well, actually, I added a little bit more to it. I say, I live a worry-free life because I choose to live by the principles of God's Word. And that's how we live a worry-free life. And you see, if I'm worrying about something, it's my fault. It's not God's fault. And we need to take that responsibility. If you're worrying about something, it's your fault. Because I say it's my fault. Why? Because there's somewhere I'm not following God's way to live. I'm not following his plan on how to handle the trouble that I'm going through right now. Because he has a way for me to handle whatever comes up against me in a way that I can have peace and victory all through the middle of it. So how does this begin, living this worry-free life? It begins with a choice. You have to choose that you're going to obey your Heavenly Father in all things. So let me ask you, are you tired of living with worry? Then you have to make the choice. You're going to live according to the principles of God's Word. And if you make that choice in the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, He's going to guide you and direct you all through your day and give you the strength that you need to obey so you can live worry-free. You know, you can find a reason to worry every single day because we all face all kinds of opposition and trouble, but we don't have to live like the rest of the world. We face the same kinds of things. If you drive a car, you're going to face traffic. Just because you're a Christian, you don't have this bubble around you that just keeps you safe. Well, sort of you do. <laughs> we have the Lord with us, but it, traffic, you're going to have the same kind of trouble. You have to deal, you're a Christian, but you still in this life, you have to deal with inflation. You have to deal with things like sickness and disease, but we can still live in peace. So before I tell you exactly, some, get more into how, I want to start with three reasons why we should never give in to worry. You've got to make the, I'm not going to give in to worry. Because you're going to be tempted. That temptation to worry is so strong. Thoughts of worry and all these kind of feelings are come to you, but you have to make the choice. You're not going to give in to that. We never want to worry because, number one, worry never works. In fact, it only makes things worse because as you begin to worry and think about that problem that you're dealing with, it just seems to get bigger and bigger in your mind, doesn't it? And then it creates more and more stress, and you get more and more questions as to why is this happening. And it just, it just spirals, so you don't want to ever worry because it does not work, and it makes things worse. And the last thing you want to do when you have trouble is to make things worse. So the second reason is that the Word of God says that worry is a lie. Now, you need to settle that in your heart because we don't like that. Worry is a lie. In fact, in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6 alone, Jesus said three times, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Now, Jesus says, do not worry, and you go ahead and do it. Whenever he says, do not do something, and you do it anyway, that's called sin. In fact, Jesus put it another way. He said in John 14, verse 1, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. When your heart is troubled, I'm telling you, you're worrying. But he told you, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. And then he says it again in the same chapter, verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there it is again, twice in one chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. I like the way verse 27 that second half of the verse where it says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amplified says, the amplified version of that scripture says, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then expounds a little and it says, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. And that's quite a description of worry and what happens to you when you allow it when you let yourself worry, I tell you what, I do not like to be agitated and disturbed. I hate that. And I don't want to be fearful and intimidated. These are things I don't want in my life, but I'll have those things in my life if I choose to worry. So see, it's perfectly clear to me from Scripture that worry is a sin. And since worry is a sin, we need to realize all sin, even the sin of worry, has consequences. And you're not going to like them. Negative, not positive consequences. Negative consequences come from the sin of worry. I tell you, here's some consequences from where if you choose to worry, you know it just drains the life out of you. Just makes you so tired. Worry will keep you upset. It'll keep you sad and depressed all day long. Worry will make you physically ill. Worry, I tell you, if it will get you out of the will of God. Because if you worry and worry and you make a decision to do something out of worry, then that decision is probably going to be wrong, and then you made your trouble even worse. So we do not want to worry. People like to justify themselves with things like this. Well, you know, when I'm worried, I'm just being reasonable. <laughs> when I worry, I'm just I'm being responsible. I'm being a responsible person when I worry. Or I'm seeing life as it truly is. I'm just realistic. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. Don't these sound good? I'm just trying, because I'm worrying back. So I'm just trying to figure out what I need to be doing here. But this is a deception. And this is the world's way of handling problems. God's way is better. Do you believe that? Amen. God has. He does. He has a better way. Psalm 37, 8 says, do not fret. It only causes harm. So there it is again in God's word. Do not, do not, do not fret. Don't be worrying. It only causes harm. So if you want some harm, more harm, more trouble, then worry. I don't want that. Nothing good comes from worrying. It is sin. So, and then another reason, my third reason that you should never give in to worry is because worry is giving place to the devil in our thought life. That gives place to the devil in your thought work, life. Ephesians 4.27, do not give place to the devil. Do not give him place in your life. I don't want him in my thoughts. I don't want him influencing how I think. Because you say the devil is a liar. And his purpose is to try to convince you that God's word does not work. It will not work in your situation. This is what he says. And that leads to worry. It leads to defeat. So don't listen to his lies. Stop allowing the devil to beat up on you with lies. You got to stop. Don't let him lie to you all the time. I tell you, God's the truth, when you hear the truth of God's word, that will never lead you to be anxious and fearful. 
Let me tell you what the truth of God's word does. When you read the truth from God's word about your problem, that's going to bring peace. It's going to bring strength. It's going to bring courage, hope. It's going to bring faith. That's what God's word is, and that is what we want. So never give in to worry. Worry does not work. It doesn't work. It's a sin, and, and thinking like that means you're just thinking like the devil wants you to think. And I do not want to do anything he wants me to do. So how can you live a worry-free life? How can you live that worry-free life? I tell you, it's really very simple. It says in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 6, it tells us how to live a worry-free life. And I'm just going to tell you right off the answer. We pray. We pray. It says, the word, it says here, be anxious for nothing. And I like the Amplified. It says, do not fret. Listen to those words again. Heard that before? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But, being, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We make specific, prep, specific requests to God. Whatever your trouble is, whatever causes you to want to worry, we go to God with specifically with that thing, and we, and we pray with that, about that thing with him. We give it to him. And then what happens, verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That peace of God. God's way is filled with peace. It's filled. When we're going God's direction, Peace, peace. We do not worry as Christians, as God's chosen ones, as his children. We pray, we pray. And here's another, when you pray, there's some more instruction here from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. These are worthy, these are worthy verses to memorize, I'm telling you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. See, as we pray, this is what we need to do. It says, therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. That's having the right kind of attitude when you're praying towards your Father. Have a humble attitude. You know, like, I'm nothing in myself, but you know, with God, all things are possible. But we humble ourselves first. You know, I can't fix this trouble. I can't do this. I can't come up with some idea or, or have some power to get it done or some influence to do this or that or whatever it may be we humble ourselves and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God we humble ourselves under our God under him we submit to him we're under his command he is the one that we follow and we who are we submitting ourselves to this under this mighty hand of God mighty hand of God we need to realize who we are praying to. You see, he is omnipotent. That means he has all power. Our God has all power. I've been reading this book this year, reading it over and over. It's about our God. It's, the, the, it's called The Knowledge of the Holy. Yeah, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's all about God. I would highly recommend this book. But I want to read a little bit about his power, about how, you know, God, in, in case you just didn't know... God has all the power. His power is limitless. His power is limitless. But I want to read just a little bit about what he says. Since, since he has at his command all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent, what does that omnipotent mean? 
all power, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for a renewal of strength. All the power required to do all that he wills to do. I have to read that again, that sentence. Let's start over. All the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in an undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. I mean, you just don't realize who God is. He's all-powerful. He knows all things. He knows absolutely everything, everything, everything. When you can meditate on the power of your God and who he is and his great, awesome love for you, oh, how can we worry? How can we worry? So let's go back. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may, when you do that, you pray, you humble yourself, you're submitting to him, you're realizing, God Almighty, you're taking care. I know you can do this for me. And then he says, that he may exalt you in due time. That means your answer will come at the right time. Your answer is coming. You can have confidence. You're all powerful. God's taking care of it. You can have confidence. Do you know do you know this, that God will answer your prayer the very best way possible? Do you believe that God knows the best way to answer your prayers? He knows the very best way. Now, we think we know, don't we? We think we know how God should answer our prayer and what would work the very best, but we do not. We know so little, and he knows everything. When I think about what I know, it's compared, there's really no comparison but an infant, think of how much an infant knows. Nothing except I'm hungry, stuff like that. As compared to the, the parent that's taking care of them. We know so little. He knows absolutely everything. He knows every angle. And see, he says, we pray to this God. Then verse 7, we cast all our cares upon him. We cast it. That means we give it to him in prayer. That's what we do in prayer. We're giving our, our problem to God so he can fix it. So he can fix it. It says in the Amplified, casting the whole of your care, that means all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and he cares for you watchfully. So we can have faith in him because we know how much he loves us. Oh, how he watches over us and how he loves us and how his answer is there. and He is taking care of us. You know, as a parent, you will do anything you can to fix your, any problems your children are having. Don't you want to do that? If you're, you, we want your children to come to you when they're having the trouble. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. They, you, you want your kids to come to you, even as adults. If they're adults and they're having trouble, they want, you want them to come to you because you want to help fix it. Well, your Heavenly Father's that way. When you're having trouble, go to him. He, he can fix it. He knows exactly what to do. So think about what worries you. What, what keeps you awake at night? What is that trouble that just, oh, it just gets you? And you just oh, I can't hardly keep from worrying about it. Well, I have good news for you tonight. You don't have to allow problems and unresolved issues to weigh you down anymore. You can leave this place different than you came. 
Psalm 37, 5 tells me that if you commit your way to the Lord and you trust in him, that he shall bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. You know, we sing this song, Waymaker, and part of it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. That you never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. You see, when you've given your problem to God, you just, you, by faith, you say, okay, God, I've cast it over on you. I've given it to you. And he begins to work, fix it right that moment. The moment you give it to him, he is working it. And when we sing that song, you can sing that song in faith. You don't see it. You don't feel it. See, that's what faith is. When you can't see it and you can't feel it, but you say, it is mine. Because my God is working on it. He's taking care of it. So it is good as, as good as done. So, but you need to watch. If you come and you pray and you give something, you, you believe you cast it out on, on, to the Lord, but you're still worrying, you find yourself worrying about it, that means you took it back and you're taking that problem back and you haven't cast it on him. Or if you've prayed about something, then you sit around trying to figure out how it's going to be fixed, you've taken it back. You got to not do that. Don't take your problem back. Keep it on the Lord. He, take care of it. I tell you, what so? What are you going to do? If you find yourself, you just keep taking your worries back. You keep up staying, just staying upset about that thing. I have something for years I dealt with, and I get so mad because I get so upset and can't sleep and wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and all those kinds of things. I tell you, when you pray about something you give to God, you're going to be tempted to worry. So what do you do when those negative thoughts come to you? What do you do? Very simply, James 4, 7 Therefore, submit to God, and I'm, as I already talked about how we need to submit to God, we resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You have to resist him. You have to talk to yourself and say, when those negative thoughts come, you say, oh, that's not my thought. I'm not going to take that. You have to resist all thoughts that are not from God. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. This is another good passage, 3, 4, and 5. You need to memorize these. Think on them. Meditate on them. For though we walk in the flesh, you know, we walk around in this natural world, don't we? We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And here it is, verse 5. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What are these arguments and high things? These are these things that come when you've prayed about something, you've given it to the Lord, but then those worrying thoughts come. That's the devil. That's a high thing that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. That's like saying, you know, when you pray for healing and then um, you start to feel even worse, but you're standing in faith and you're believing God and those lying thoughts come, you're never going to get well. That is arguments and high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Because I believe the word of God says that by his stripes, I am healed. And I'm standing on that healing. God's begun my healing. He's going to do it however he chooses, but I'm going to get well and I'm going to get through this. Amen. That's coming against those things that exalt themselves against what God has said. And you have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So if you're going to stay worry free, you have to take control of your thoughts. I really like this thought, this quote. Listen really carefully. As nothing is more easy than to think, so nothing is more difficult than to think well. It's difficult to think well. You have to actively fight and work against lying thoughts that come. You have to refuse to cooperate, agree, and submit to the devil. Did I say that? Submit to the devil? We would never do that. 
what we do in our thoughts when we agree with them and we keep them as ours and start to believe lying thoughts. We don't want to submit to him. So declare to yourself, I have given my problem to God and I am not taking it back. So what do you do if you find yourself taking it back? I didn't look this scripture up. There's a scripture in, I think it's Haggai. When I fall, I shall arise. If you fall down, get yourself right back up and say, no, I am not going to take that thought and just keep right on going. You know, sometimes we trip. Have you ever been walking along and tripped and fell on the floor? We didn't mean to. Well, sometimes we receive a thought in our hearts, and we don't, we don't, it's just so sly and so slow getting in there, and then we find ourselves worrying, and oh, where did I get from this? I just got through saying that I'm not going to, I'm going to trust God, and I'm not going to worry, but when you fall, you shall get right back up and say, no, I'm getting right back, because you have to fight those thoughts, don't you? You've got to fight them, fight that good, I tell you, it's easier the more that you do it. The truth is, God is just not going to take away your problems for you. You have to do your part and give them to him. He's not going to take it from you. Give it to him, and he will take it then, and he can handle it. I tell you, when you truly give your cares to God, you can go on your way and be at peace, even if in the natural it looks like nothing is happening. Because this is living by faith, and this is an awesome way to live. It's an awesome way to live. The Lord told Joshua... In Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, talking about his word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I tell you, what was he saying? Your mouth and your thoughts need to be filled with God's word. Deal with this word. There's such tremendous power when we speak God's word out in faith. But there's nothing, absolutely nothing impossible for our God. So how can we keep from taking our problems back? We pray. We cast the care of it over on God. And, then, and there's nothing you can do. You can focus on the right things. Focus on the right things. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.18 while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We must learn to look at life, not through our natural sight, but with eyes of faith. We need to learn to look through eyes of faith, through our spirit. It takes some strength to do this, but you can do it. How do we look at things that are not seen? How do you do that? You can look at what the Word of God has to say about your problem. That's how you do it. You look at what the Word has to say about your problem. And you don't look at it with your natural sight. You look at what the Word of God has, has to say. So what has God said about your situation? Here is one of the most perfect examples in scriptures I can think of, and that was the man Abraham. Abraham had a problem. He didn't have a son. Oh, how he wanted that son so bad. But God spoke a word to him. He said, Abraham, you will have a son. And so let's see what did Abraham do. Romans 4.19 and being not weak in faith, Abraham did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. You see, Abraham knew what God said about his situation, and he chose to believe God no matter what it looked like. And that's what you have to do. Whatever you're facing, you have to see what has God said. Focus on what he said. Focus on that and nothing else. You know, sometimes your problems are just staring you in the face. But you sometimes have to declare, no, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at my problem through the word of God. I'm looking at it through the word of God. And that changes everything if God has spoken a word to you. Let me tell you a word that changed me. Dennis Roberts. One sunny morning, I was, you know, during those years I was battling cancer or whatever, and it had gone to my limp notes, and, and you know, it's really bad if you have it in your limp notes, because, you know, that's where it travels through your body, and it's going to go everywhere. But he came to me one morning, and he said, I believe God told me that he, is, he has just held that cancer in place, because it was in my limp notes back in 2009, at a very aggressive type, and, you know, really, really serious. So here we are at 2018. I have those, that it's still there. I had never gotten those lymph nodes taken out. I had never done that. But he came up to me. He says, you know, God told me that he's just been holding that in place. And so it's not going anywhere. It's been right there. And it hasn't gone anywhere else in my body. I had that removed. But see, I have a confidence because I believe that God spoke a word to him and spoke that to me. So I believe I heard from God. So see, I'm not worried about it coming anywhere else. Because I I believe God spoke that word to me. It was a specific word. And it was really alive in my heart. And I know that God did that. That was something that God spoke to me. But I've also just read scripture that did the exact same thing when I read that I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. That has been such a strength. That was just a scripture that God calls to come alive in my heart. And through the 12 years that I dealt with cancer, I never once was afraid I was going to die. I just got, I got weary with dealing with the symptoms and the treatment and stuff. But I, I, I never, I, I knew I wasn't going to die. How did I know that? I had two doctors tell me I was going to die. But I didn't fear that. Why? Because I got a word from God, just read a scripture that God caused to come alive in my heart and I could stand on it and have faith in it. Brought me, it brought me hope. It brought me faith. It brought me peace. I didn't worry about dying. And see, the God can do that for you, but you got to get in here in order to do it. You got to get in there in order to do it. Now, I look at this. I wanted to use this as an illustration. All those years I'm dealing with it. I have this book, Christ the Healer. But if see, look at this. All apart. I mean, in fact, I'll hold it. I'll hold it. You have to be really careful. I told him, I said, bring that book to me. I want to show it to him. Because if you, if you drop it, I mean, the pages will just go everywhere. And if you look in this book, I don't know how many pages it is, but I have marked, I think I've marked something on every single page. Every page. I was serious about my healing. I got in the word. I need fresh. Sometimes, I need, sometimes when you're dealing with something that lasts a long time, you need a fresh word, don't you? You need something that, that you can hold on for that day. You know, when you, have you ever been to a five-star restaurant where, where you, a, a nice place to eat, you know, you get this five-course meal. Oh, isn't it good? 
But let's say you had the privilege of going to the best restaurant in Fort Worth, and you have this awesome, awesome meal. Man, it's so you feel so good when you get home, maybe, maybe too stuffed. But you know, the next day, you can think about that, how good that was. But it's not going to satisfy me the next day. i got to have something else to eat. I tell you, I love that scripture that I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord, but I needed more. This is full of scripture that made more scripture come. I needed more. So sometimes, you know, God does instant miracles, and he does things. He can do things just in a moment of time. But some miracles and some problems in our life must be worked out step at a time. And in that kind of an answer to your prayer, which the answer is coming, you need some daily things to hold on to. And God will give that to you, but you gotta, you got to be serious about it. you got to get in there and believe God's word. I want to, actually, I'm going to do a, a little bit of a long closing here, but I want to read you a story from Numbers chapter 21. And it's about these Israelites. You know, God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and they had this journey to get what he said was going to be their promised land. God had provided a wonderful place for his people, but they had this journey, and they got discouraged along the way. And then they started, instead of focusing on what God said to them, that he had this promise, they got to looking at all their circumstances and some hard times they were going through, and it got them in trouble. So let's look at this, because I think we tend to do this too. We see something, maybe you hear a message on Sunday morning, or you read something in your Bible, or someone speaks to you or prays with you, and you get this awesome, you get all really, really excited about God's doing this for me, and I believe this is for me, but then you get discouraged along the way. We tend to do this. So Numbers 21, verse 4. Then they, the Israelites, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. This particular journey was very long and arduous and difficult. It was full of difficult. It was hard. It was a hard trek. <laughs> and so they got, but what happened to them? They got discouraged. We've all been discouraged at times. Verse 5, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. <laughs> oh, man, that's not very good. To, they got angry with the Lord. And they were, they, just, they were questioning in him and complaining and blaming God for things. And that's not, you don't want to get there. You can get there and not even realize that you're mad at God and you're angry at him because he hasn't answered, he hasn't got you where you want to be yet. So let's see what happens. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Punishment. Verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, in, the, in that verse, what did they do? They repented. They repented and got right. So this is what the Lord, this was what the Lord said. He said, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was. If the serpent was had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. They had to look wherever they were. If they got bitten, they had to look at this bronze serpent. Serpent. They had to look at it, and then they would live. 
They had to look at it. And I don't know how long it said then they would live. I don't know if it took a while for them to get well. I don't know the length of time here, but they had to look at it, and then they lived. See, what that is, is it's a representation of Christ on the, of Jesus Christ on the cross. Because you see, if we will fix our eyes on him, when you have trouble, when you have trouble, you have something that's causing you to worry, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on what he did on the cross. That will keep you from getting discouraged and bring trouble on your life like it did on these Israelites. When you, that's, that's what we need to do. When you get trouble, that's what we do. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We look expectantly. We fix our eyes on his words. We fix our eyes in all that he did. And we meditate on that over and over and it brings life to us. So I want to ask you very seriously tonight, what are you worried about? Because if you've truly been worried about something, that just came, you know, you don't have to think for a while. <laughs> you know what that thing is. What are you worried about? What trouble are you dealing with? And what keeps you up at night? I'm telling you, it is time to bring that thing to the altar. It's time to come to the altar tonight. You have an opportunity tonight to come to this altar and pray and give that thing to God, to cast it over in him, and then walk out of this place walking in faith and believing God and refusing to allow worry, the sin of worry, to be in your life anymore. Are you ready? Let's stand tonight.